Episode 33 of the Glass of Joe podcast. Joe Malpa here alongside an elated PJ Glasser. PJ, of all the episodes we've done this year, you've got to be the happiest coming into this one from Monday night. We'll get to that in a minute. I know you want to talk about it. But first, we had a just seismic shift in the landscape of the NBA yesterday with the James Harden trade. And I don't know about you, but I was sitting there like trying to follow along. I was already looking at NHL pregames because there was a 5.30 start yesterday yeah. with the Flyers-Penguins game. And all of a sudden, I see the alert on my phone. And I'm like trying to track along with it. And it's like, oh, it's, it's the Nets and the Rockets. And then, oh, they dragged the Cavs into it because they needed to facilitate it. And now oh, the, the Pacers are in it too. And Old Depot's on the move. It was crazy. And for anybody who's still trying to catch their breath on this, the full trade, the Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodion's Kurutz, three Brooklyn first rounders. That's 2022, 24, and 26. The Milwaukee first rounder unprotected in 2022. And four Brooklyn first round pick swaps this year, 23, 25, 27, the odd numbered years. And that's get James Harden. The Pacers get Karis LeVert and a second rounder. The Cavs get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. That's a lot. And it is. As I was sitting there yesterday, I don't know how you feel about this, PJ. And I think a lot of people will obviously say the Rockets won this trade the most, and they did. But I don't think the Nets got – think back to when they made that ridiculous trade when they first moved to Brooklyn and they got Ray Allen. I mean, not Ray Allen, excuse me, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Jason Terry. That was stupid. Like, they just wanted to make a splash because they were in Brooklyn. Those guys right. are aging. Yeah. This puts them as the clear favorite in the Eastern Conference as long as Kyrie Irving gets back to basketball. Yes. So, they, I mean, yes, they gave up a lot, but they are the favorites now with the Lakers to win. And that goes for this year, next year, and the year after that. So, I don't think this was a bad deal for them. I know a lot of people were criticizing it with that Celtics-Nets trade in the back of their minds. But I don't think this. No, is not at all. Like you said, that Celtics Nets trade was just highway robbery. I mean, those guys who were in their high thirties was to get a headline. That was it. Right. It was, was for it. one playoff run. It was awful. Um, you know, obviously, it's being talked about how ball dominant each of these guys are. They need the ball in their hands. But I don't think what's getting talked about enough is that all these guys have played with dudes that they've necessarily been the number two on their team. Durant had Curry when he was in Golden State. Kyrie obviously played with LeBron when he was was in Cleveland. James Harden's been playing with Chris Paul. He's been playing with Russell Westbrook the last couple of years. So they've had practice playing with other superstars on their team. Obviously, now they're all together. There's three of them, and they command the ball. The big debate is who's going to be taking the last shot. Personally, for me, it has to be Durant. It has to be. I mean, he's just – you can't defend him with the ball in his hand. Um, But, yeah, Joe, I mean, the defense is going to be the big issue. That's the problem. We were kind of talking (laughs) about this trade, like the hardened suitors, where he would go, and um, it just – you know, in the playoffs, yes, it's great to have all these guys that can get you instant offense whenever you want, but where's the defense going to come from? At a certain point – At the end of the day – at the end of the day, they're going to be giving up 140, but they might be scoring 150. Well, so that's, <laughs> you know, it's that old D'Antoni uh, philosophy, and he's yeah. on the Nets bench with uh, with Nash. So that's going to be their MO. They're just going to have to outscore teams. And in the NBA, it helps that it's a best of seven. So a team's going to have to beat you four times. But uh, the NBA finals just got a lot more interesting. And, and what you just said right there, a team has to beat you four times. You look across the whole league. 
I think there's only one team that could beat the Nets, assuming health, assuming right. health. There's only one team that can beat the Nets four times out of seven, and it's the Lakers. And there's only one team that could beat the Lakers four times out of seven, and it's the Nets. So I think we have our clear collision course now for the NBA Finals. But we talk about the Bills-Vikings deal as like the poster child now for a, a deal that benefits all sides. Yes. That was a two-way trade. I don't know that you have a poster child for four-way trades that benefit everybody. This could be that. As this was trickling through yesterday, Karis LeVert is a budding star, and now yep. he gets to shine with the Pacers. Yep. Jared Allen and Torian Prince are two nice pieces for the Cavs to get as they're assembling their massive rebuild. And the Rockets, they're still certainly a playoff team now. You have Victor Oladipo, John Wall, Boogie Cousins, and all these other pieces. And then now you have, with a new GM, new coach, you have all these picks going forward. Right. And the other big thing for the Nets, as far as why this trade isn't horrible, um, those four pick swaps, look, at the end of the day, you're still getting a first-round pick. It's not like they're without a first-round pick for those four years. It might be a, a worse first-round pick than it could have been. But think about this, 2021, 2023, 2025, 2027. 25 and 27 are way down the road. 21 is this year, obviously. 23 is two years from now. This big three that the Nets have should all be intact until at least the 2024 season. So those pick swaps in 21 and 23, Houston is probably not even going to exercise their right to pick swap because they're going to be picking ahead of the Nets. So that was the one other thing that I looked at here. Take those out of the equation. Nothing's probably going to happen with those two picks. Now, when it was the Celtics-Nets trade, with those guys getting older – and knowing that they wouldn't be good beyond a year or two, that trade was insane because we knew that the Nets pick swaps could be for top 10 picks because they, that team wasn't going anywhere. Right. And, and that was a fear. Here, again, your first rounder in 2022, what's it going to be? It's going to be, what, 28th, 29th? The two pick swaps in 21 and 23, Houston's probably not even going to exercise the right to swap them. So as far as the Nets giving up, prime unprotected possibly top 10 picks you don't have to worry about that until 24 when if and when all these guys leave the nets that's it until then nothing you're losing if the nothing. rockets love a prospect they can package their two first rounders together exactly. and move up but yeah they're acquiring assets the next five drafts are just going to be all oklahoma city and the rockets um <laughs> Another thing too, Joe, is I think for now, I think the Lakers are still my favorite. We've seen yes. that when you get the this many superstars together, it takes time. When mm -hmm. LeBron and Bosch went to join the Heat, they didn't win their title the first year. It took time. When um, Kyrie and Kevin Love and LeBron were all on the Cavs, they didn't win it the first year. It took time. Golden State won it the first year when Durant got there, but that's just because that when you special. have those, I mean, they're yeah. just too good. But and, that, and the difference with that one was it wasn't a whole overhaul. It was just taking a free agent and adding him to the mix. Great point. Um, so, you know, I think the Lakers still win the title this year. They'd still be the favorite. Would it surprise me if the Nets won it? Obviously not. But it's going to take time, especially with Absolutely. Kyrie in and out of the lineup and stuff. You got Steve Nash still trying to find his way as a head coach. I think they win the Eastern Conference, but – I'd still give the edge to the Lakers to win the finals Tell you what, for this year. If you, find, if you find a prop bet at this point in the season, I don't know if you could find it now that it's during this season. Uh, I know FanDuel Sportsbook app does offer some things like this as the year goes along. But if you could find a NBA Finals exact result 
of Lakers over Nets, it might be some good value on that right now still because uh, there's going to be a lot of people who are throwing money at the Nets to win yeah, it all. But the Lakers are still the favorite. And I, well, like you said, I don't think the Nets could topple the Lakers. I don't think there's anybody in the East that will topple the Nets. The one threat would be the Sixers because their defense could be lights out yeah. when they play. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't think the, the Nets are getting beaten in the East. And as far as what you said about the cohesion, it's going to take time. I don't think it'll take as much time as people think because all these, these three guys – so Kyrie has played with KD now a bit. KD obviously played with Harden, and all of them have played together for USA Basketball at some point or another. So, like, there is some level of, of past uh, chemistry between these guys. And as long as they get that chemistry going by the playoffs, that's all that matters in the end. If right. they come up as the second or third seed or whatever and not the ones, who cares? As long as they start to click come April, come May, that's all that matters. And, you know, one thing, too – in a conference like that where the last couple seeds in are pretty weak in the East, typically, you almost look at the first round and maybe depending on the matchup, the second round as tune-ups for the conference finals and the finals. So they'll have plenty of time to start clicking. And one team that was clicking on all cylinders, PJ, the entire year (laughs) and never at any point faltered is your Alabama Crimson Tide. And I'm just going to let you roll here. (laughs) Joe, all I was thinking was watching that game was what I would give to see 2019 LSU versus 2020 Alabama. And what a game that would be. LSU I told you would have absolutely won. I hate the first bubble, but keep. I think Alabama would have won personally. We can get into that in a little bit, but I'll just say I Mac Jones all year long. I was singing his praises. He's the real deal. If the Indianapolis Colts draft Mac Jones where McShay has him right now, they will win a Super Bowl within three years. I'm that high on him. I think the fit's that right. He's the missing piece. For I'm that not going to doubt you on Mac Jones anymore because I remember <laughs> that episode we had was it with Travis in the summer mm-hmm. when we were talking about futures and we were both like, yeah, Mac Jones, he's not it. Maybe they should look at Bryce Young or, or something. But hey, we, we were both as wrong as can be. Mac on that Mac is the best quarterback I think I've seen at throwing uh, like those bubble screens, leading his receivers to where they're going. The ball's never behind them. It's never low. It's never high. It's always right where they need to catch it. But I think while Alabama's offense last year was more talented, maybe this team was just, they were so well-connected. Devante was so clear, the number one receiver. Najee was so clear, the number one back last year. They just almost had too many guys. Like you had first four first round draft picks that Tua was trying to get the ball to. Um, but, yeah, the offense was great. Um, it, it's just, you know, Joe, it's t- I, I still think if Clemson had played Bama, I still think they might have won the game. And, again, it all comes down to the red zone defense. And Ohio State had chances. They let Bama drive the ball down the field. They let them get into a goal-to-go situation. They got them a third and goal like four or five times but they can only force one field goal. And that, that was the game. Once you're giving up touchdowns, it's just, it's too hard to catch them. Um, I'm going to miss Sark at Texas. He is yeah. a really, really good play caller. Um, hey, it's okay. You'll have Bill O'Brien next. <laughs> hey, better than Adam Gates. You know? <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely take Bill. Um, 
No, but this this offense was was a lot of fun to watch. I think all these guys will be good in the NFL. I think Najee, his body will translate well. Devontae Smith is going to be the interesting one. I've seen people on Twitter say, and it's true, as dominant as he was in college, he's the best college receiver I've seen. Um, his body type doesn't translate to the the NFL. So do teams just look at the tape and be like, that is clearly the best receiver in college football, or do they say, well, that size doesn't translate. I don't think it scares teams away because the, the one comparison that keeps coming up time and again, right after Devontae Smith is Marvin Harrison. And if you've got a Marvin Harrison, you take a Marvin Harrison, but he is a body type of like an AJ green. And we've seen some of the durability issues that A.J. Green has even had in his career. Now, granted, it's not like A.J. Green has been having a shoulder problem or broken ribs or things that you would associate with a smaller guy getting hit a lot. He's been unlucky to have um, plantar fasciitis, a a knee injury. It was a lot of lower body things. So he didn't get hurt because he was small. He got hurt because he was unlucky and had a lot of just lower extremity injuries. So with A.J. Green as that comparison in mind, you can see, and even Marquise Brown right now for your Ravens, you can see guys like that in the league. They're not getting hurt. They're fine. They're football players. They've been their whole lives. They've taken the hits. They're going to continue to take the hits. They're going to be fine. That doesn't scare me a ton. And the other thing to keep in mind is that once you get to the NFL and you see it with a lot of these receivers, you're putting on about 15 to 20 pounds of like muscle, and you're not losing any of your speed, any of your athleticism, nothing. Like These strength programs – we talk about it when a high school kid gets into a college program like Bama, that they totally transform. Same thing with that next level jump from college to the pros. They will have him put on whatever he needs, 12 pounds of lean muscle to, to withstand that, and he won't lose a step. He won't lose any of his leaping ability, nothing. He will lose nothing. This year, Hollywood Brown put on, what, 15 pounds for the Ravens. Nothing changed in his game. He got better, and he got better as the season went along. So I don't think teams should be scared away by that. I'm very interested to see, and it's totally a mystery right now, what happens at the top of the draft. Trevor Lawrence is one. Um, I saw, I think it was Peter Prisco of CBS said it. Uh, if, if Urban Meyer takes Justin Fields number one because of the Ohio State connection instead of Trevor Lawrence, he should be fired on day two uh, <laughs> of the draft. So he, Lawrence is going number one. It's just such a big question now. Will the Jets give Donald another chance? Well, it's funny. I texted you at halftime, and I'm like, Joe, I'm like, are you sure you don't want Devontae the, Smith? And you're like, Jets possibly. give him a chance? Will they go quarterback? If the Jets stick with Darnold, Devontae Smith could be the number two pick in the draft. Um, I personally would advocate for the Jets at that point trading back to say, I don't know, w- would the Dolphins feel inclined enough to want to come up one pick instead of risking the Jets trading the two pick to someone else, because I'm right. sure they want to pair Tua and Devontae Smith. Sure. Could you do that? And then still the Jets trade back from three to like seven, get a haul of picks, still take like Jamar Chase or something. So I, if the Jets stick with Darnold, I would advocate for trading back, but I would not be upset at all if they just took Devontae Smith. I'll tell you that. And the, the Dolphins, they just, I hope their ownership group was there in their suites watching that game on their, in their stadium because at pick number three, they should take Devontae Smith if he's there. And at pick 18, they should take Najee Harris if he's there and just run the Bama offense with two of Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. I mean, that's it. Joe, you know, for the NFL draft, when it says like, uh, you know, so-and-so teams next up and then the pick is in, if the Dolphins are at three and Devontae Smith is on the board, the pick is in should take 
two seconds. <laughs> I mean, true. you should know <laughs> who you're taking. Um, the Jets are in a good spot, though, because I think they can drop down to, let's see, they can drop down to five and still get either a combination of Devontae, Jamar Chase, or Panay Sewell, the yep. offensive lineman from Oregon. Because you got to feel if they drop back, somebody will trade up to get either Wilson or Fields, whoever they like better. So and the one Falcons of those at guys, four could very well be taking a quarterback. If the, Fal- if the Falcons are on the clock at four and Fields is there being from the area, I think that pick is a done deal too. So Yeah. You, Joe, the Jets are in a good spot, and I don't think we've talked about this, but Absolutely. I know you love Trevor Lawrence. Personally, I think Watson was better than him at Clemson. I think Watson will be a better pro than Lawrence was. Now, that's not to say that Trevor won't be a good player because Deshaun's obviously really good. But, uh, you know, I mean, I just – with Trevor, I just don't see this, like, generational, just unbelievably great talent. I think he'll be really good. I could think – I think – he could make a couple Pro Bowls, but again, if we're kind of comparing him to Deshaun Watson because it's Clemson and then to the NFL, I'd take Watson personally. I but. would definitely take Trevor Lawrence. I think he is that guy. Okay, uh, and I think he, someone made a good point. Um, uh, the uh, I, I think it was when I was watching um, the, the pregame uh, college game day. I think it was when Matt Barry was still on hosting. I forgot who he was with. I think it might have been Joey Galloway. They were talking about. Um, just revisiting the Ohio state Clemson game and then talking about Clemson going forward. Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys where you look at him and say better pro than college player. And I think we'll see that. And on the flip side, DJ Uyunglele, I think will be a lot better college quarterback than Trevor Lawrence was because he had that skill set. So Lawrence is a much better pro than he was college quarterback. And I think Uyunglele will be better at Clemson than Trevor Lawrence was because of his skill set. So that, that comes into play here too as far as what their skill sets are, are more inclined to do. And look, if Urban Meyer is a hire, which it seems certain to be at this point, that's a great guy for Trevor Lawrence to have when you look at the quarterbacks that Urban Meyer has coached and what yeah. they've done, um, starting all the way back with Alex Smith and then going from there. You, you look at what he did every year at Ohio State. He turned guys like JT Barrett, Cardale Jones, all these guys who, who amounted to nothing beyond Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins, um, and they were superstars, Heisman candidates at Ohio State when they were there. So I think that's certainly the right guy to have in place in Jacksonville. Now, down the road, will he and the NFL mesh? Will his style work in an NFL locker room? I don't know. We'll find out. But specifically in the context of Lawrence and the conversation we're having, I think Lawrence will be the guy, and I think Urban Meyer will help him a lot. And I really do wish we had that one more Clemson-Bama game, like you said. But all I care about in the end was that the total was 54, 52 plus 24, which was 76. And the total was 75. That was the most important thing on Monday night. Barely hit. It was looking Barely good hit. for a while at halftime. I'm like, oh, this is, this is going to hit. And, and I was then, bummed that Devontae got hurt because who knows how many yards and touchdowns he would have had. Could have gone for, for 400. <laughs> there, was a, uh, there was a Twitter-like question towards the beginning of the college football season. And it was like, who's the five best college football players that you've seen in your lifetime. And I feel like for everybody our age, Tebow and Reggie Bush are kind of one, two, whichever way you want to push them. Um, but I think Devontae's in the top five now, cause he's the best receiver. Um, Bush is just, 
I mean, you talk about just a guy when the yeah. ball's in his hands, he's just a walking touchdown. Off but Devontae Devon, Devon was really good. Off the top of my head, those three guys for sure would have to be in there, especially after this season from Devontae. Those three guys would have to be in there. Um, I would probably throw Lamar Jackson in there because okay. he just completely changed things. Yes. And the fifth one, you could go a lot of ways. You could go outside the box and say a guy like Ndamukong Sue, who was in the Heisman conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that like that defensively, who was in the Heisman conversation was Tyron Matthew. Another one who's an unsung hero and he's proving it now at the NFL. Patrick Peters is a good one. Uh, Quentin Nelson just killed guys. Yeah. So, I mean, that's someone you could throw in the mix. Once you get to, once you get past the top three or four, there's a conversation we had for a lot of unsung heroes, yes. um, but there's still popular answers to be had too, like Vince Young. Colt Vince McCoy, Young was there for me, and I think my other one was Adrian Peterson. Those would be my look. Mm. Joe Joe Burrow is really freaking good. Cam yeah. Newton. But it was, was one year. Good. It was one year. That's Both of those too. guys. It was one year. That's, That's why I probably shy away from it. But I, quick to what you said, LSU Bama. I'd go with LSU. Eh? As much as his recency bias of Bama and stuff, that whole LSU offense. The receivers, the offensive line, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Joe Burrow. I'm all, telling you, though. All drafted. And then, but when you break it down, but the, but position by position. The thing is the defense. That LSU defense also had dra- a bunch of draft picks last year, and so, so will Bama's. But LSU's defense, I think, last year was also a lot better, led by Patrick Queen now with your Ravens, than I think this Bama defense is. So I think that game would probably end up similar to the Clemson-Bama we were talking about if it would have happened where both teams are going to score every time they have the ball. Right. It's a matter of field goal or touchdown. I think the LSU team would have scored more touchdowns and Bama would have been held to a few field goals and the score would have been like, I mean, 50. Yeah, what's the over-under set at, 95? I believe <laughs> the, the, the score in that game could have been like 63 to 58. I mean, it, that's what we were talking about if it was LSU. Last year's LSU and yes. Bama. That that game would have been disgusting. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll you know Bama's schedule next year. They're at Florida, at A and M, and at Auburn. So so they definitely they have some tough games. But yeah, I mean Saban, you've heard him say a bunch of times that's his favorite team that he's co- and you can just see it the way he talks about like he's after the game. And, I don't think I've ever seen him do that. He 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 loves that team. So that was a fun team to watch. Um, I thought they would cover the spread against Ohio State, but I mean. I was surprised they won by 28. I didn't think they did yeah. that bad. Um, Joe, all right, so we got divisional round this weekend. Before that, just looking back to some of the wild card games uh, last weekend, we'll kind of just go through them, uh, how they happened in order, talk about a little one each bit. Um, the Colts-Bills game, that was going to be my upset of the weekend. Colts should have won. They were the first team in NFL history to have 450 total yards, no turnovers and lose a playoff game. They were nine for 17 on third down. They did everything you needed to do, but really their whole season was the end of that first half. Frank Wright decided not to kick the field goal to go up six. Instead, he went for it on fourth down. Rivers had Pittman open and he just couldn't catch it. And then Josh Allen goes 98 yards at the end of the half to put a touchdown up. And that was really it. If you kick the field goal there, blanket shit makes 30 yarder. Obviously hindsight's 2020. Bottom line, there were so many things that the Colts just and plays see, you need to make to win on the road in the playoffs they weren't they making, make. and the Bills survived. And see, that's like the, you know, two people could watch the same game and have to- two totally different takeaways. The whole time I was watching that game, I kept questioning how the Colts were even in it. I, thought, I felt like the Bills should have been running away with it. Yeah. And not that it should have been a Colts win. Because 
every time the Colts had the ball, I know the things that you threw at me were like the yards, the third down conversion and stuff. But think about that for a second. At the end of the day, the Colts found themselves in a lot of dangerous third downs. They kept picking them up. But like by the skin of their teeth, they kept plugging away and plugging away. And every time the Bills had the ball, it was effortless. So it just felt like at the end of the, at the, end of the game, if you look at the box score, the Colts led in a lot of them, like you said. And you would have – blind resume picked the Colts should have, been, should have been the winner of that game based on the box score. But if you watched the game and disregarded the stats, you would question how the Colts were even in it because, again, they were fighting for everything. Nothing came easy for them. They had third and eights that they were picking up. They had third and twelves that they were picking up. Yep. Um, they had go- fourth and goal that they just narrowly missed. Um, and then when the Bills had the ball, especially right before the half, they took it 92 yards for the touchdown in like seven plays. So it was easy for them. It was hard for the Colts. So, again, it was one of those where your eyes and the stats told you two different things. But, hey, we, we came right out of the gates with our upset picks. Back-to-back games on Saturday. You had that one. I had the Rams one. One of us got it. One of us got it. (laughs) That was a great pick. Look, the Rams-Seahawks game, we knew it would be low scoring. It was going to come down to which team would avoid the big mistake. And that's why I like Seattle because I'm like, are you giving me Russell Wilson or are you giving me Walford or Goff, whoever played? And Wilson ended up throwing the mistake of the game on what should have just been an easy little screen pass. but. Credit the DB for the Rams. He picked it off and took it the other way. Joe, Seattle's just one of the craziest kind of stories of the year. How dominant that offense looked. Russell Wilson was, I mean, virtually a Sherlock to win MVP. Their defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. And then really the second half of the season, it was just a complete 360. The defense turned out to be good. The offense really stopped being a juggernaut against teams and you know, I think the thing that we really overlooked about the Rams and that wasn't get talked about enough is how much Cam Akers means to this team. Sure. Didn't play in week 16 against the Seahawks, and they missed his running game. And especially when you're limited at quarterback with whoever was going to play. For Akers, he had 130 yards on the ground in that game. I mean, that that is huge. If the Rams can run the ball like that against Green Bay, they, they've got a good shot. Again, we'll talk about those games in a little bit. But, again, to me, that was the game. The Rams got the defensive touchdown that they absolutely needed. And credit golf, too, because when they needed drives, when Seattle scored and you thought they were going to get some momentum, golf answered every time, whether it was a touchdown or a field goal. He puts together some some big drives when the Rams needed it. Yeah, it's it came down to, like I said, and, and the reason I picked them, the defense, Russell Wilson had no chance almost on any play to do anything. Yeah. And then offensively, um, just trusting McVay would cook something up. The guy, you can see in the end, he had two game plans. He had a Wolford game plan with a lot of uh, option plays, and then he had a golf game plan, which was totally different, and it was more reliant on just the run-blocking scheme and, and acres. Quick side note on that, next year for fantasy and any year henceforth, um, pattern that is certainly developing. Rookie running backs suck the first six, seven weeks and then light it up because they're starting to get their kind of get their footing. I was on both ends of that this year and one league I cut Cam Akers after week like five or six because I didn't see it. I mean, Malcolm Brown, Daryl right. Henderson thought he was falling in the backfield. And then at like week eight, I traded for Jonathan Taylor because I was like, oh, maybe this is a good buy low spot. And then look where he ended up as one of the top five rushers in the league. So 
I think there's a pattern that's emerging. Rookie running backs stink early, and then they emerge late. Well, as especially they start to see the game better. Especially this year with no training camp, yes. OTAs, yes. preseason. That was, I mean, J.K. Dobbins was the same Dobbins, way for the Ravens. There are a lot of running backs that took off same late thing. rookie running backs. But but continuing then with the Rams, just it's it's really going to be interesting to see what they do at quarterback this week. Goff didn't not start because of his hand. If he if he wasn't able to go because of the thumb he would not have been dressed because that would have been a colossal risk that the Rams were taking. If Wolford gets hurt, especially as a runner uh, that you, your only other dressed quarterback was someone who can't grip a football. So he didn't not start because of the thumb. He got benched because they felt that Wolford gave him the better chance with the game plan of of, of all the RPOs and the option plays. So I don't know which way they're going this week. I would assume they go golf just because of the way he came in and looked good and if Wolford hasn't been able to practice this week because of the neck injury, um, will he be able to, to go then uh, over the weekend without that practice, especially being a guy who up until recently wasn't taking the number one reps. He was taking all the number two reps. So you need all the number one reps you can get. Uh, so I would assume they go golf. But again, for me, look, and we'll get to it in a bit. I'm sticking to my guns and what I said as far as the Rams being a team that's the worst nightmare for the Packers. And, and pulling off the upset. So we'll get to that point eventually. But this Rams team, I told you, it's the one that you don't want to play. It looked great against Seattle. Um, DK Metcalf, that you can see that right now, Jalen Ramsey is playing better than any corner I can remember in recent memory since like the, the heyday of Darrell Revis. The stats and the numbers of the guys that he shut down this year is very reminiscent of that year for Revis when yeah. he was – I think he was unanimous all pro that year and he shut down. He, he played a murderer's row of receivers that year and shut them all down. And that's what Ramsey did. And he did it again with DK. He had that 51 yard touchdown, but it wasn't on Ramsey. When he was on Ramsey, he had like three catches for 37 yards and that was it. And he was frustrated. He was on the sideline throwing his helmet. Um, they made a great point on NFL Live. Dan Orlovsky and, and Marcus Spears were breaking it down that right after he had that meltdown is when they had that pick six on the bubble screen because you could tell that the Rams were anticipating the Seahawks forcing it to DK and they were able to jump it. So that all stems from what Jalen Ramsey has been able to do. Uh, This Rams seems dangerous. I don't, I'm sticking to the Rams beating the Packers. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if the Packers come out and win by like 14 because the Packers are also that good, but I'm sticking with the Rams and I'm, this is the game that I'm most excited for this weekend. And I guess that's maybe a good segue into starting to talk about uh, the playoff games because that is the first one of the weekend, 435 on Saturday. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this game. It, like I said, it could turn out to be a stinker at halftime if the, if the Packers, you know, coming off of a bye are on their A game. But if there is any rust that they show that teams sometimes do show coming off of a bye, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble because like the Ravens last year, when they play the Titans, this game has that sort of feel to it where if the Packers come out rusty and the Rams could take a lead with their running game and their defense, the Packers could be in trouble. It could be. I've bet against the Packers the entire season, and I'm not doing it this week. Bakhtiari's a big injury, and that hurts. But Green Bay at home, to me, this is more so about just Jared Goff being a California kid, and you got the Rams, a warm-weather team that plays in the Dome, and they're going to Lambeau. I just, to me, I I don't like it. The spread is about what I thought it would be, about six and a half, a touchdown. 
I just I think Green Bay is going to be leading in this game early, and I just think the Rams are going to have to play from behind, and I don't trust Goff to come from behind with his injury and make enough plays to to keep the Rams in this game. So I, I do like Green Bay to win at home. I think that because they played week 17, they got challenged by that good Chicago defense, but still won by 16. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was great. Uh, how they're just, they're, they can strike on you at any second, the way Rogers is playing. He's determined to get back to the Super Bowl. I like, I like green Bay against the, uh, against the Rams. This is a weird one where it's like, I always root to be right but I also have certain teams that I like to root for. And the Packers are one of them because I love Rodgers. And I have this dream right now of a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl where it's Rodgers-Mahomes, the matchup that we were deprived of last year because mm-hmm. Mahomes had the dislocated knee and Matt Moore started that game. Yep. So we've never seen Rodgers against Mahomes. We could see it in a Super Bowl. Both of the State Farm commercial guys now. <laughs> so it would be a great commercial for State Farm, the whole Super Bowl. Um, they need to move I, I the really hope that the Packers win. I was going to say they need to move the Super Bowl to Arizona, to State Farm Stadium, <laughs> if, that's, <laughs> yeah. if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope the Packers win in that aspect. But I, my gut just keeps telling me the Rams here. Donald pressuring them inside. Uh, you see the pressure they can get on the outside. Bakhtiari's out. They tried to pick up Jared Veldier then as an option too, which would have been the first ever player to play for two playoff teams in the same playoffs. Uh, he's got COVID now, so he's out. Um, Jalen Ramsey, like we just said, is taking out everybody. So if he's on Devontae Adams the whole time, there goes Rogers' number one target. This is one of those games where whoever scores, there might not be a lead change in this game. Whoever scores first might win, should win the game. Mm-hmm. The Rams with the, there might be, there might be a, a tie, you know, seven, nothing, seven, seven, but I don't think there'll be a lead change in this game. If the Rams can get out with ball control or if the Packers can get out to a lead and force Goff to throw in what's supposed to be 35 degree weather. Um, I'm going to stick with the Rams. I'm, I'm not as confident in it now because I see the weather. I should have assumed the weather was going to be freezing cold. Uh, and, and now that Aaron Donald's not a hundred percent, but I, I'm sticking with it and, and we'll get to best, but we'll go through the games here all and give our just straight up pick and then we'll get to best bets. Uh, but I, I'm sticking with the Rams in this one and I'm really excited for this one. Now, the second most excited game I am for this week is the last one. So it's going to be a nice bookend of a weekend, both NFC games. But the game that you obviously have circled as your number one for this week is Ravens-Bills at 8.15 on Saturday night. And the Ravens looked exactly how you wanted them to look against the Titans. They just ran the ball, ran the ball, and ran the ball some more. The defense finally looked like the Martindale defense of the last couple years. They played a perfect game. Now it's a question of can they do it again in what might be snowy weather? And you hate to look at uh, what that situation might be and it might deprive us of what the game could be because Lamar's already said like he's dreading playing in the snow and you don't want that. I hope it doesn't snow because I think this could be a great game, but if it snows and if it's, if it's that kind of weather, the Ravens could be in big trouble this week. Yeah. They're only saying it's supposed to be about one inch accumulation of snow. So hopefully it's not, it's not even that ma- much. It's, it's, it's not a matter of the accumulation. It's just a matter of, is it snowing as the game is going along? And now Lamar, even if it's not accumulating, 
if he's having to look through the snow and deal with it on the football, like he, he's never played in the snow before. It's, it's again, it's not even a matter of if there's two inches of snow on the field that messes up the, the playing surface. It's just a matter of, is he going to have to look through the flakes and have to deal with that when already he is not that level of a thrower period. We saw it on the interception to start the game. Yeah. Uh, they want to keep the ball on the ground period, especially the way the bills defense uh, has looked against the run. Jonathan Taylor carved them up last week. They want to run as much as possible. If they have to get into a situation where they throw, they could be in trouble. Right. Which is why, honestly, if it's bad weather, good. Greg Roman doesn't have any excuses. Run the ball and keep running and keep running. I mean, that's going to be not only your best offense, but your best defense to keep Allen on the sideline. I just want to see nobody's been able to stop Derrick Henry all year. The Ravens did that. Nobody's been able to stop Stefan Diggs all year. Can the Ravens do that? They were going with their typical defense and putting Marlin on A.J. Brown to start the game one-on-one, and Brown was tearing him up. They adjusted really nicely. I think they're going to play some more of that defense that we saw the rest of the game after those first couple drives against Buffalo. Um, Joe, if I'm being honest, I wanted the Ravens to play Kansas City this round. I was rooting for the Steelers. You got to figure if they're going to get to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to go through KC at some point. And I thought this was the most vulnerable spot to get KC because they've been coasting the last two months of the season because, you know, they've beaten, they haven't beaten a team by more than six points. I think their last seven or eight games, Mahomes obviously had the three weeks of rest. The Ravens have been playing playoff football the last six weeks. They just beat a team that they've struggled with. I wanted them to go to another team they've struggled with and see if they can keep that momentum going. Um, but here we are playing the Bills, and it's, I mean, it's a pick em. It truly is, and it's different styles. The Bills want to throw the ball. The Ravens want to run the ball. Which one wins out? Josh Allen, I mean, he's a young Roethlisberger, and he's more mobile than a young Roethlisberger, but his ability, there were like four or five times during that Colts game where he was scrolling to the sideline, and I just thought he was just going to throw it out of bounds, and he finds dudes on the sideline, which are just backbreakers. So the Ravens have to play until he's completely down and completely throwing the ball away because he will extend plays like crazy. Um, But yeah, again, it's, I mean, playoff football is so much about red zone defense and turnovers, but again, both teams will be able to probably move the ball against each other, but who can punch it in for touchdowns? That's the thing about the Steelers-Browns game. When the Browns were getting all those turnovers, they were scoring touchdowns. They weren't settling for field goals, and that's why they won that game. So the Ravens' red zone offense, they had to kick a couple field goals against the Titans, but they kept the Titans to field goals, which was key. They're going to have to score touchdowns against Buffalo, probably score in the the 30s if they want to win because – I mean, the way Buffalo's offense is going, I, I don't know if you can score 24 or 27 and think you can win. I think you're going to have to probably get into the 30s. Yeah, uh, all I heard was a lot of things and not a pick, though. you got to make a pick here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I do think the Ravens will win. I'm worried because I know they're going to be the trendy underdog pick of the week. That'll kind of be the pick that everybody's looking at, like which underdog will move on. Even though the Bills are the betting favorite, they're the higher seed. I kind of feel like the narratives have flipped. The Bills were the hot team coming to the playoffs, but now everybody's like, look how Baltimore's playing, and they're kind of fading off the Bills. But uh, I do I do think the Ravens want a close one. 
I agree with you. I mean, for all the reasons that you pretty much said, nothing else. Um, I love Harbaugh's, obviously, track record on the road in the playoffs. There's something special about that. And, you know, their Super Bowl trips, they did it on the road. And I'm not saying they're going to get to the Super Bowl this time because I think if and when they play the Chiefs, they will lose, certainly. Um, but I like the spot here. The Bills were vulnerable last week against the Colts because it was, you know, all the pressure of their first playoff game and, you know, like first big whole yeah, playoff home, game in right. forever and uh, all this pressure as a division winners and they come out there and get the win, but it was close, closer than it should have been. Now the Ravens, on the other hand, they got one monkey off the back, which was beating the Titans after losing the last two times in a row. Lamar Jackson got his first playoff win. So I think that can propel them mentally to another one here. Whereas the Bills kind of, the Bills also had that sigh of relief last week, but like, I don't think it was as big of a deal for them mentally. So as far as like the mental edge, I gave it to the Ravens in this one. So much of it is going to depend on the weather, but right now, thankfully for the Ravens, the forecast of snow is gone for Sunday. Um, And that is huge right now. It's supposed to snow, excuse me, on Saturday. It's, it's supposed to snow during the day and the afternoon, it's not supposed to snow in the evening anymore. If that holds, that is huge. That is the biggest factor for me in this game of will it snow during the game Saturday night. Uh, if it does, I'm going with the Bills. If it doesn't, I'm going with the Ravens. Um, that's, you know, stay tuned for my Twitter at like 4 p.m. on Saturday for my official pick on this game when I see the official weather report because it honestly hinges on that entirely. What the old saying, you know, when a player is thinking about retirement, if they even thought about it, it's time to retire because your mind's out of the game. Um, for Lamar to already be thinking about the snow and saying, I don't want to play in the snow. If it snows, I'm not trusting that guy. If he's already shown that weakness and doubt in his mind about playing in the snow, I'm not trusting him to actually go out and win a divisional playoff game against a guy in Josh Allen, who is very comfortable in the snow from his time at Wyoming and so far in Buffalo. I'm not trusting Lamar to do it. If he does it, kudos to the Ravens and them. I'm, I would love to see that Chiefs-Ravens matchup, but it's snowing in the game. I'm not trusting them. As of right now, given the forecast, for all the reasons that you already said, I'm picking the Ravens, but the biggest factor for me will be the snow. If it snows, I think the Ravens have absolutely no shot. If it's snowing for the duration of the game, just because Lamar's already shown that, uh, that weakness and come out and said that, that is – I, I, that is not, and again, that was a topic of conversation on NFL Live the other day as, as well. He, he, he shouldn't have said that. I know, I know he Lamar. Should, I, I think he, he just, he doesn't want to play in the snow. Yeah, he probably. If he has to, he will, but he obviously, obvious, his, his preference say, would be to that not. That is also like, a, yeah, yeah, of course. But that's also something then for the Bills defense, like they're going to smell blood in the water if it's, start, if it's snowing and if it's coming down because they know that the guy taking the snap on the other side of them doesn't want to be doing that and is not comfortable at all. So they're going to confuse the heck out of him. And just, I, I, I think, th- put it this way, PJ, the whole thing of, you know, all those things that you, when you were in, you know, kindergarten through like sixth grade the night before, if you want a snow day, like sleep with your pajamas inside out, flush an all ice right. cube down the toilet, all that stuff. Do whatever the opposite of that is because you don't want any snow in Buffalo Saturday night. I, well, I do, well, yeah, I definitely <laughs> don't want it to snow. That is for sure. But if it does, I mean, 
they'll adjust. Uh, they, yeah. You know, Baltimore is not exactly Miami. I mean, no, it doesn't no. snow a lot, but they, they can play in the cold. Of, and the of course, but, mean, the, but the cold and the snow is a little bit different. And I don't know. I just, there's something about the, the way that it was handled this week where I'm, I, I can't, I cannot trust him if it, if it snows after the way he said that. And I hope it doesn't because I want a great game. But. You know, another way to look at it is if it is snowy and the field isn't great and he's already the fastest player on the field to begin with, doesn't that give him an advantage when everybody's slipping and sliding and he point. knows where he's cutting and going? Think back to the – think back – it was a couple of years ago now. Uh, the like LaShawn McCoy? LaShawn McCoy, yep. That LaShawn McCoy game where they couldn't stop. He had like 200 yards in that game. That's right. a good way to look at it. Um, but he's got to get some good cleats because he was slipping and sliding in Cleveland. But if yes. he gets some good cleats, yes. he, could be, he could be dangerous. But – Going back to what you said about having a score in the 30s probably to win this game, I don't think that changes much on the Bills' side because they're more used to it. We saw them with the, with the wintry mix against the Steelers that night still put up, I think it was 30-something points or 28, whatever it was. It was near 30. So I don't think anything changes from the Bills' perspective. So right. the Ravens are still going to have to probably get to that number of 30 no matter what. And if it's snowing and they have to become totally one-dimensional – Sure, if it's slippery out there, it favors them. But the Bills are going to continue being the Bills. And that's probably in the fourth quarter going to put Lamar in a situation where he does have to throw. Third, fourth, second half, he's going to have to throw. I don't know that. I trust that. So, again, um, we spend more time on the Ravens game, obviously, always because you're a Ravens fan. Let's move on to the next one. But if it snows, Bills. If it doesn't snow, Ravens. Browns, Chiefs. Chiefs all the way here. For me. This is actually my second favorite game that I'm looking forward to of the weekend because I think the Browns can hang with Kansas City. Hang Don't think with them? Yes. Yes. Don't win, think they're going to no. win, but the way the Browns can run the ball and the way Baker Mayfield's looking right now throwing the ball, Cleveland is reminding me a lot of the Jacksonville team that made the AFC Championship game in the sense that it was Jacksonville and it was Blake Bortles playing quarterback, and we just didn't trust them. But then they went into Pittsburgh, and we were like, oh, okay, this team's good. Cleveland were like, they're good. They can run the ball. They're playing well, but they're not going to win in Pittsburgh. And then they went in Pittsburgh, and we're like, oh, okay. Again, I don't think they're going to win in Kansas City. But for all the reasons I, I wanted the Ravens to get the Chiefs this week, I think th- there's a lot to like about the Browns and how they can run the ball. Jack Conklin has to play for the. I mean, if he doesn't play for the Browns, then th- th- they can't win. They need their offensive line to be healthy. They need all those guys back. Um, here's the one thing, though, that I'll say is in the playoffs, there's one game usually where I think the spread correlates to the over-under number. And I think if you like Cleveland plus 10, then you have to like the over. Because if you're going to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, you're going to have to outscore them. And if Cleveland's going to win this game, they're going to need to get into the 40s. So if you like Cleveland plus 10, you got to think that it's maybe going to have to be like 37-30. Or which, and the over-under is at 57 right now. Because if, if Cleveland's not scoring, they're not going to slow down the Chiefs. And it could be, you know, 34 to 20 and the Chiefs cover. So I think if you like Cleveland to cover, you take the over. But uh, look, the Browns, I mean, 
They're playing with house money. I'm surprised Kevin Stefanski just was like, you know what? I'm good, but I'm just going to coach my house again because <laughs> it clearly worked against Pittsburgh. Um, Joe, that Steelers-Browns first quarter was the most shocked. I'd put it up there with Cardinals-Braves first inning, 10-run first inning. Yeah. I'll put it up there with Germany, Brazil, the first 20 minutes of that World Cup semifinal. That was just complete shock. And, and it's not even – what was weird about it was, like, I don't think the Steelers were bad. They just got every single possible thing go against them. The snap over the head between Pouncey right. and Roethlisberger probably hasn't happened in a decade. Yeah. Seven nothing. The first interception went off the ha- – excuse me. The first interception was bad. That was the one that he, he just misjudged and threw it over Snell's head. Yep. The second interception, it off his receiver's hands, caught. Then the th- – the third interception batted at the line diving catch by a 300 pounder, like every single break yeah. that could have gone the Browns way went the Browns way. And it just seemed like there was something special in the air that night. And now as far as this one though, could they cover the plus 10 possibly? Uh, I, I would probably lean that way at that number of 10. Um, but the chiefs off of a buy with Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes, their point totals, Six times it's happened. 40, 31, 40, 51, 35, 31. The fewest points they've scored with Reed at Mahomes off of a bye is 31. And we know Reed's track record off of a bye in his career. He's something like 18 and three or whatever it is. He's ridiculous off of a bye. And I'm not, I'm not even considering the Browns winning this game. Uh, it's for me, it's a question of whether they cover the 10. And I think they, I think they could backdoor it, especially the way the chiefs have been playing a lot of games that are you know, six points, five points, seven, whatever. Um, I think they could cover. I don't think they have any chance to win same spot for me. It seems like as Ohio state was where Ohio state Clemson, they were looking forward to that the whole time. That was their super bowl Brown Steelers on the road, they haven't won whatever it was in like 18 tries in Pittsburgh. They haven't won a playoff game in God knows when. And, you know, everything's against them. They got no coaching staff. They got players out. They got killed in Pittsburgh by th- four scores earlier in the year. They barely beat Pittsburgh the week before playing against Mason Rudolph by two points. So this was their Super Bowl. They came out and they won it. Big letdown spot for them now. It's almost kind of like, oh, what do we do now? We got past that. Now what? I think there's just a big drop off, uh, similar to like you had said going into the Bama Ohio State game. Clemson and Ohio State was their Super Bowl. Bama Ohio State, then kind of the wind was out of the sails a little bit, totally different, amped up for the one game, and then you come back down to earth for the next. I could, this game, I, I think you were telling me this about uh, uh, Bama, where either they were going to win by more than two touchdowns or they were going to lose to Ohio State. Yes. I won't say the Chiefs lose to the Browns, but I don't think there's a middle ground here. They're either winning by two touchdowns or they're winning by like six. I don't see like a middle ground there where it's like a 10, 12 point win. Either it's going to be a blowout or the Chiefs are going to, I mean, the the Browns are going to hang around, uh, backdoor it late, try for an onside kick that they probably won't get, and the Chiefs will win. Let's go Brownies, baby. AFC North versus the world. Come on, shock them. Last game of the day, Joe, features the elderly vet. By the way, something that has to be noted, the AFC quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield is the oldest AFC quarterback remaining. And the NFC, you got Rodgers, Breeze, Brady, 
and Jared Goff. So you got a little more experience on the NFC side, none more so in this game. Brady and Breeze. Uh, Joe, I'll be quick. It's tough to beat a team three times. The Saints are the better team than the Bucs, but I just don't love the Saints at home. They're a great road team, fantastic. At home, though, I don't love them. While they were really never in trouble against Chicago, if Wims catches that ball, it could have been maybe more interesting a little bit. To me, the key is the over-under number in this game. Many people feel like the Saints and Rams have the two best defenses in football. I would agree with that. It's 52. And the last time we saw these teams play, the Saints gave up three to the Bucs. So with one of the best defenses in football, the spread is three. The fact that it's 52 tells me that Vegas likes Tampa a lot. They think they're going to put up some points on them. And – you know, Tom Brady in the playoffs versus Drew Brees. Drew Brees has had so much heartache in the postseason. So tough to beat a team three times. Bucks get Devin White back this week. And uh, I just I think it's Tampa's time. I think I think they win this game outright. I think they put up 30 on the Saints defense. And I think that they finally take down New Orleans. Bruce Arians has played the Saints four times. And he has lost by a uh, combined – he's been uh, lost by 70 is the accumulation of how much he's lost by. So he has not had uh, his luck with the Saints, but I think they beat him this week. That whole thing has been a thing this week, beating a team three times. And I've seen now so many articles debunking that, going back and looking at the numbers. Uh, it's happened 21 previous times where a team has – coming into this one uh, since the merger in 1970 – a team has won both of the first two meetings. So going for the sweep in the playoffs, then it's happened 21 times. The team has swept 14 out of 21. So they have a 14 and seven record in that third game. So two out of three times, they are winning it. So for me, I'm taking that out of the equation. Uh, the Saints dominated them both times. Yes. I think this Saints defense is just incredible and it can stop the Bucks offense. I think there's going to be that obviously the motivation factor of the Bucks side, especially Tom Brady knowing how he is to right the wrongs and come out and get this win. Um, but I've said for a few weeks now, the Rams are my team that I think is the most complete team in the NFL, or at least in the NFC, probably the NFL, because they're more well-rounded than the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs are way better overall, especially offensively. Um, the Saints are the team that, probably nine out of 10 people would pick as that most complete team. Um, me being the 10th that I will say the Rams, but the saints are the popular pick for that. And they've shown it um, between Camaro. Now with Michael Thomas and breeze back together on the same page, defensively, they're incredible. Like I said, there's a reason that Aaron Glenn as their secondary coach is getting head coaching interviews because that unit is just off the charts right now. Um, I, I don't think this game is a blowout. Like we saw that Sunday night, when it was what I mean, the Bucks had no chance. Like yeah, yeah. Was, the Bucks had no chance after the first quarter. But I do think the Saints come away with it. I feel like I've been saying this for a couple of years now that the Saints are due. You know, they had they had the the Minneapolis miracle. They had the flags that was never thrown in the against game the against the Rams. They had last year where there should have been OPI again on the Vikings. 
So uh, now you're kind of merging the things. First, it was the Vikings and the Miracle. Then it was the Rams with no call. Now it was the Vikings with a no call. So it was kind of like a, their worst nightmare coming to fruition last year. And now I finally think they get over the hump. They get to the NFC title game where I do think they will win regardless of who they play against. And they will get to the Super Bowl. They are my pick to make it to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Um, I, I just think it's their time this year. And I, I don't really see – you mentioned the total – I don't really see this game being as high scoring as people think because uh, for the way Arians coaches and for the way that Sean Payton coaches, they, they seem to get a little bit more conservative. I wish there was a way to kind of like go back through them all. There is a way. It's just very arduous, but to go back through it and compare how they call certain things in the playoffs versus the regular season, I think it's a little bit lower scoring than people think where it, it maybe comes in around say 24 20 Saints, something like that. But I, I, I'm going with the Saints in, in this game. Okay. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, it should be a great game. Um, this is the best week of NFL football every every year, the divisional round. So it should be should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Joe, best bets time. You were great last week, 4-1. Oh, well, nice. I went 2-2-1 two, two and one last week. So now you have a three-game lead because we both have one tie under our belts. You're 45-46-1. and one. I'm 42-49-1. and one. So you go ahead, kick it off. What is your number five? All right, so remember this week, there's no college. So we have essentially eight options. Correct. Um, between the, the total and the spreads of these four games. Got to whittle it down to five. You could Not take even. a first half too. I'm, I'm taking a first half. True, true. Points. We can do that. I guess that, that branches it out. But uh, as far as conventional things, our, our, it's slim picking this week. So we got to be really selective yep. really on our game. The first thing I'm going with is going to be the under in that Bucks saints game like I just okay. alluded to. I'll go under 52, Bucks saints is my number five. All right, Bucks Saints under. It'll be interesting to see if any of us have any of the same picks because if we don't, this could be a big week, huge week. My number five, I like the Green Bay Rams under of 45 and a half. I just think that the Rams defense, we've talked about it, how good they are. The Rams offense, if they want to win this game, I think they got to keep it lower scoring, they got to run Cam Akers play the field position game, maybe get some timely field goals. Golf's got to take care of the ball. But I think the under is the play here in the Green Bay Rams game, 45 and a half. All right. Now back to a spread for me. Um, look, I, 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 I'm going to go to this game twice because I just alluded to the fact of how confident I am in the Saints this year. I think it's their year. Um, at minus three, I'm thinking worst case, I get a push, but I'll take the Saints minus three. My pick for the game was 24-20. Uh, and again, it, how many times do you see a, a game like this where it comes down to a last-second field goal or something? So I'm thinking my worst-case scenario in this game, assuming the Saints win, is a push. So I'll go with the Saints minus three. All Being right. How confident I am in them getting to the Super Bowl. <laughs> my number four, I'm going right back to the Green Bay Rams game. I like Green Bay minus six and a half against the Rams. Because I like the under, I think that favors Green Bay, and I think that it can be a 24-13 kind of a game. I think they win by two scores, and I like the Packers minus six and a half. I was looking at some of the first halves as well, like you mentioned. I'm not going to – I don't think I'm going to pick one of them. Uh, what stuck out, if, if, if any of them, was for me the, 
Browns Chiefs, Browns plus six and a half, because I think the Chiefs will start slow and then go ahead and, and obviously run away with it in the second half or something like that. Um, but, but if there was one that I was to consider, it'd be that one. So back to uh, the main entree here. I'm going to go with that over 50 in the Ravens-Bills game. Mm. I, I, I think, like you said, if the Ravens are going to win, it's that magic number of 30. And it's the same thing for the Bills where they're going to have to score. I think this game probably ends up with one team getting to that number of 30 and the other being in the mid-20s, so do the math. Um, whether it's you know 31-24 Bills, 30-28 to 28 Ravens, whatever the case is, I, I think one team gets to 30. The winning team gets to 30, that magic number, like you said. The losing team is somewhere in the mid-20s because I don't see a team getting blown out. And think about that for a second. If the winning team does get to 30, even if it's a double-digit victory uh, of 10 points, which I don't think it'll get to there, 30 to 20 is still a push. So I'm, I'm going with the over 50 in the Ravens-Bills. My number three, I just told you, the over-under number to me really doesn't make sense in Tampa, New Orleans. I've realized that when I look at an over-under number and I'm like, that's way too high, I just feel like Vegas knows what they're doing, so I bet the over. 52 just seems too high with New Orleans' defense, so I'm going to bet the over. Again, you don't have to worry about weather because they're playing in the Superdome on that fast track, and both offenses will be ready to go. The score, I believe, was 34-20 week one when they played New Orleans, 37-20, something like that. So they scored They scored some points. Tampa knows if they want to beat New Orleans, they got to put up points on that defense, and their defense will have to cause some turnovers against Breeze, give Brady some short field. So I like the over 52 in Tampa, New Orleans. All right. I would say of the picks that I have, and the reason I made that one five, that's the one that I'm least confident in just because, again, like you said, I could see it being a shootout, but I think it, it's something where they, those coaches get a little bit more conservative, especially Sean Payton in the playoffs. And I could see with their defense that game, like I said, being um, 24-20, 27-20, something like that. Uh, now, my next one, I'm going to the Chiefs-Browns game. I said it's either a two-touchdown win for the Chiefs or it's something less than that. I think this game is something that we feel the Chiefs have in hand the whole way. Like we're never doubting them winning this game, but it still probably ends up in the neighborhood of like 38, 31. So I'm going to say with the Browns plus 10. Okay. Cleveland plus 10. Um, going back to the Tampa Bay game, uh, game again, I think they beat New Orleans. I like the plus three. So I'm going Bucks plus three and I'm trusting Brady in the playoffs. All right. Number one. For me now, I, I've got to go with it. I'm yep. not going to go. I'm not going to go as. I'm not going to go as bold with the money line upset like I did last week uh, when I, when the Rams play the Seahawks. I was very confident in that one. I'm not as confident in this one, so I'm going to grab. What are you looking at right now for the number in this game? Uh, six and a half. Is okay, that's what I'm looking at too. I've, I saw some places were saying that it got up to seven, but I'm looking at six and a half as well. So I'm going to say the, the Rams plus six and a half against Packers. And my number one, you mentioned the first half number that you like. I love it. This is my favorite All play right, of the there week. You go. Cleveland plus six and a half. Look, Kansas City, we both think is going to win the game, but they have this track record of starting slow in the playoffs, especially in the first half. You combine that with the rest that Mahomes has had, maybe a little rust, and Cleveland's just rolling right now. They're putting their head down. They've been playing playoff football really ever since that Ravens Monday night game. 
I don't think they win the game, but in the first half, I like them to keep it close. Might even be winning at halftime, but definitely like them plus six and a half. Now, that's one where if you have an opportunity to live bet, whatever the case is, um, the, the Chiefs second half, third quarter, second half over, like you should be all over those things if you can, because this game, like you said, it could be lower scoring. It could be the Browns on top or a tie game and the Chiefs pulling away with it. So that's something where if you have the option. So that's it. Those are our five for this week. And now next week, we got to get more creative. Like we said, next week, it's uh, we're picking four. Red and over under. Or first halves or whatever the case is. And then a prop. One player so, prop. Correct. So that's what yeah. we got to get next week. And then the Super Bowl, we're going all out. We'll get, we'll get to them when we get there. But <laughs> that's right. a lot for the Super Bowl. So, all right, PJ. Trivia time, Joe. Trivia time. I'm up one, 12 and a half to 11 and a half. I can give you my question first because okay. it's hockey related with the season starting yesterday. So I'll All know right. you like that. Uh, if you follow the game of hockey, you know that a Canada team has not won the cup since the Canadians in 1993, but only five, right. But only five players on a Canadian team have won the MVP since 93. Can you name four of those five players? So since 93. Yes. Four Canadian, sorry, Canadian born players or players on a Canadian team? Players on a Canadian team. Players on a Canadian team. So either the Jets, Oilers, Canucks, Canadians, Leafs, all that stuff. So go ahead. Gotcha. Since, since 93. Yes. Okay. Um, Leon Dreisaitl. Just he is, was last year. That is correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, McDavid's got one. McDavid does. 2016, okay. 2017. Yep. That's two. Um, hmm. I don't think Gretzky was there beyond 93. I don't think he was done because he, he was with the Kings. No, he lost that 93. He lost that 93 cup with the Kings to the Canadians. So he wasn't with the Oilers. Um, Hmm. Anybody on the Canucks? No, I don't think anybody on the Leafs was there. I don't think Matt Sundin ever did it. He was good for a couple years. Uh, Canadians. Uh, did Carey Price win the heart one year as a goal? He did. He did. That's three. There we go. 2014, right. So just need one more. You got 30 Ooh. seconds. Vancouver. Did one of the Sedin brothers win it? Uh, at the risk of taking two strikes, I'll say one of the Sedin brothers did it for Vancouver. That is correct. Henrik Sedin. <laughs> Henrik Sedin won it for Vancouver in 2009-2010 season. The one you were missing was Jose Theodore for Montreal, 2001-2002. Oh. Okay, I wouldn't have gotten that one. So I got okay. four that I would have gotten. That's why I gave you four. I figured go. you wouldn't get that one. You yeah, hit the dry one, side on McDavid Price, but nicely done with Sedin. All right, Joe, 12 and a half to 12 and a half. I love, I, this is maybe my favorite one that I've given you. Wow. All right, PJ, how many, uh, how many titles has – this is not your question. This is just a precursor to the question. How many titles does Saban have at Alabama? He has six. I want you to give me the offensive MVP in all those games. Jeez Louise. I think you got this. Time starts now. All right, the offensive MVP in each of those games. Let's see. So this year it was Devontae. Yes. Um. Let's see. His last title was Georgia. That was Tua. Yes. 
Um, the year before that, let's see, they won in Arizona against Clemson. Um, Derrick Henry went off. OJ Howard went off. Coker went off. Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna go Jake. Into it. I'm gonna go Jay Coker. Strike one. Okay. OJ Howard. Derrick Henry. Strike two. <laughs> All right, it's OJ Howard. It's OJ Howard. God, man. <laughs> All right, you're All halfway right, through. 45 seconds gone. You have two strikes in already. All right. Um, let's see. At when they beat Texas. Um, so those were your three playoff games. Now the other three were both all three of the BCS games now. Right. Man, when they beat LSU, the defense was fantastic. But did Trent win it that year? Oof. I'm going to go Trent Richardson. Which year are you saying? I'm sorry. Trent Richardson was the year they beat LSU. So that was uh, 09. Strike three. Oh nine was against Texas. Mark Ingram. Twenty eleven was AJ McCarron. Twenty twelve was Eddie Lacy. Mm, yeah, those are the ones. Notre the Dame. Defense, yep, Lacy. The defensive Notre ones those years were uh, were some big names too. Yeah, Marcel Darius, Courtney right. Eckstall, CJ Mosley. But uh, but all right, the, the one that tripped you up was the uh, was the first college football playoff championship that they won when <laughs> going through quarterback running back and then oj howard. well because Derek won oj howard too i was worried that you were going to get him right away <laughs> well Derek won the heisman that year and he yeah. had a couple touchdowns so i'm like maybe off principle they'll give it to him but howard had a monster game yeah lacy against notre dame i should that was going to be the last one i was going to come to i should have gotten that one and then yeah lsu game mccarran yeah that's See, i don't feel as bad now i was going to say I was going to say, since obviously you would get Devontae, um, I was going to say, give me four of the other five, but you didn't even do that. So I was going to be nicer and say that. But yeah, no, this, yeah, enough. the six is fine. I, sh- I should have, yeah. the, the OJ was the tough one. I knew he had the best game, but I didn't know if they, if they had given it to him. All right. So we're back tied up there. Man, it's <laughs> not good. I'll tell you what, the whole thing we've been saying it was 12 and a half each now, right? Yeah. The whole thing we've been saying is like we want to get to a level that's like a good hitter in baseball, right? And we're three thirty-three, we're both over yeah. three hundred. So yeah. like, that's not bad. Not that's bad. Not bad. Not bad. And, and now we can start getting into uh, we can we can we've had a lot of college football trivia questions. I think we can leave those behind now. Get into some some last bits of NFL, the dying embers of the season, and then we're on to what we're we'll going to some basketball trivia, some hockey trivia. Maybe some Australian open open trivia. In a oh couple yeah, of weeks, so. absolutely. Good big stuff coming up. Maybe yeah. go back to golf coming up. Go back to golf coming up this week. Who you got this week, by the way? Uh, the Sony Open. I on? like I like Sung J in at the Sony Open. I have not even looked at the odds. I, I mean, with with the national title game Monday, with hockey starting, with the NFL and divisional weekend, I I did not even look at golf this week. I'm gonna pull it up right now though, out of curiosity, just to see what the what the leaderboard oh well not the leaderboard what the odds are looking like I like the Emmer. Um, I, I yeah i'm not uh i have i couldn't even tell you what the field looked like for this one joe do you know that this i mean i had a four-day stretch as a sports fan this week that probably will never be matched and i'm worried that that trivia question will just derail it all because 
Bama Hoops beat Auburn on Saturday. Then the Ravens beat the Titans Sunday. Maryland basketball beat Illinois Sunday. Then Bama won the Natty Monday. Then Bama Hoops beat Kentucky Tuesday. And then yesterday the Wizards didn't play. So that was like a win, honestly. And now here we are. Here we are today with the Caps starting. So I I might put some money on Buffalo because I'm worried that the trivia question just, (laughs) you know, it's going to start a little downhill. Yeah, I'm not touching anything with hockey for a little bit. I just placed my my futures and that was it. Uh, From what we talked about last week, I officially went ahead and placed my futures on the Caps in the division on the Avalanche winning it all, uh, on the Oilers winning their division, and on the Hurricanes upsetting the Lightning and winning their division. That was it. You know, I uh, I did not like Doc not being on the call for the Penguins-Flyers game. Yeah, Tell it wasn't what? great. Didn't it was love weird, it. but you know what? I uh, I got the book back here, his his book that he released a few a couple months ago. I, I went last night, I, I read that after the game was over because I was like, oh, oh, this is weird. I don't have any Doc on my NHL opening night. Let me go read Doc's the book. That's the so. best, man. That was it. God bless him. <laughs> All right, that's good. Do you have the golf odds up or you closed it? Out? I couldn't even pull them oh, up. They, okay. they weren't that's loading. Fine. So, uh, you know what? Yeah. It's, it's fitting for me not even remembering that there was actually <laughs> golf this week and who do, uh, too much else going on. Who do the Terps have tomorrow for hoops? Um, do they play tomorrow? I feel like no, they they're supposed to Today. be a Nebraska game that was canceled because Nebraska uh, has yeah. COVID in the, in, the, in the team. So, they pulled a random game against Wingate. I think that's technically their next game now, random. Uh, huh? Probably one of the most random, like in the middle of conference play. They scheduled a game against Wingate, so, all right. Yeah. Did you see the Texas Tech, Texas game last night? Incredible game. Chris Beard is, yeah. Chris Beard is, I mean, there's other names, but if I were starting a college basketball program, he would be my first call for head coach. First call. He's up there. I'd probably pick Jay Wright one, but Beard is, he, he might be two or three. It's yeah, pretty good. He, he's, he's definitely call number one for me. I love that McClung play. The, the, the announcers thought initially that he was – getting ready to call timeout because he's like telling yeah. McClung to come like to the wing. And then for is like, Oh no, the, he's playing it out. No, when, you, when you see it from the reverse angle, you could like, now you shouldn't have been able to read his lips because he should have had his damn mask on. But you could see Chris Beard was saying, take it, take it, come right here and take it. Like you love that. Like as a player, how much confidence is that giving you as a player? Like your coach is straight up t- telling you, just come up here and take the shot. Like that's incredible. And then mm-hmm. he sunk it. So I was like, a terrible collapse for Texas, but I mean they're still among the top teams in the nation. Big week though for Texas Tech because they got Baylor coming up next, and I'm really Oof. excited for that game. So yeah, it'll be college hoops starting to get good, that which start, is good. That will start to dominate the conversation on this podcast yes. about a week or two from now. Once, well, I'll say I'll say two weeks from now when we're in that week between Super conference Bowl, title game yeah. and Super Bowl. Then the following week is obviously all Super Bowl, but then it's college basketball from there. 100%. 100%. Lots of fun. All right, Joe. Good seeing you. We'll talk again next week. Episode 34. Awesome.